Bubba was a faithful member at the first church. and Bubba wasn't the most gifted student, and he wasn't the most eloquent with words, but Bubba, Bubba had a sense that God wanted him to do something. His pastor had mentioned to him about serving wherever you can. So Bubba went to his pastor and said, if there's a job you want me to do, I'll do it. So the pastor said, well, Bubba, we've got this sign out front of the church that that we put a different message on it each week. And we're really having a hard time finding people that really want to do that. Bubba said, I'll do it. He said, the preacher said, well, you come up with the things to put on the sign. Bubba thought, all right, I think I can do that. Gifted at many things, Bubba wasn't the best speller. But anyway, he got the letters together and he thought, what can I say? What can I put on the sign? And so he came up with this idea. He loved to hear his preacher preach and so... He thought he would just tell them on the sign he had put up, come here for a great message. But remember, Bubba wasn't the best speller. So when he put it on there and walked away, the message said, come here for a great massage. (laughs) Bubba didn't know, but on that particular Sunday, it was the best crowd they had had. And the pastor asked Bubba to continue doing that task. A great message. I'm sure some might would rather have a massage. What is the message today when we come to the Lord's church? What is the message every Sunday when we come together to the Lord's Day and worship? Paul spoke about his message. I'm calling it the memorial message. Message. Would you look in 1 Corinthians 2 and the first five verses? Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. May we pray. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be the communicator, the one to speak with divine power in this hour. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would do a work that only you can do. May may we separate ourselves from the speaking, from the hearing, and ask you, Lord, to communicate, for you to teach us. Thank you for this great country in which we live. Father, while we have much to remember about this country, may we never let that take precedence over the memory of our Savior, 
and what He did for us on the cross. Move in this service in ways that only can be attributed to You and the work of Your Spirit. For we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Memorial Day commemorates the men and the women of this nation who died while in military service. It's an important memorial. Not a one of us, I'm certain, here in this room today or listening today could say we're without family. They did not give themselves in service, maybe some even the ultimate sacrifice. Some that gave themselves and literally life was never the same after. We don't necessarily view them as being apart, but the haunting memories and such of war and uh, they came home maybe to brokenness or to a changed life. And so while it's important that we remember those that made a sacrifice for this country, an ultimate sacrifice in death, 1971 was the year that Congress passed it becoming a law that we celebrate Memorial Day on the last Monday in May. It's honorable and it's fitting that we recognize and remember our nation's great veterans. I'm told that the number at, at, at the last count of total deaths from war is 1.3 million American citizens that have died, shed their blood for freedom's cause. But even that number pales in comparison to the number of saints that have died for the cause of Christ. We don't hear, and there's not a day necessarily that's honored regularly for remembering those that are martyrs for the cause of Christ. The Academy, American Academy of Religion wrote a few years ago that the total number of Christian martyrs during the 20th century, not all time, but during the 20th century, is reported to be 45 million martyrs worldwide, yes, not just America, but that died for the cause of Christ. And so we, we recognize that. Believers who lost their lives prematurely because of their witness, because of human hostility toward the Lord Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. And I, God only knows many more that have shed their blood, that have lost their lives for the cause of Christ over the last 2,000 years. And so we remember, we're mindful of that. There may be a message to be heard about soldiers and about saints that have died. But the message that comes to our mind and that is foundational to this church, is the message of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the message that Paul proclaimed. And he told the Corinthians here that he preached nothing but Christ Jesus and Him crucified. And so this morning, I want you to join with me in looking at this text and a few other verses as well, that seeing how God, who chooses the foolish and weak things of this world, to confound the wise and to accomplish His 
purpose. I want you to be reminded, if you will, the memorial message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in these verses, there are basically two elements to the memorial message that we highlight this morning. One, the content, and secondly, the delivery. The content of the memorial message, only the message of God. Remember that phrase, only the message of God. That's what Paul is saying in verses 1 and 2. The content of the memorial message, the gospel message. Paul says, first, what he did not preach... He said, I came to you not with excellence of speech or of wisdom. Paul was writing to Corinthian believers. If you go back to Acts chapter 18, you see Paul's ministry at Corinth. And what a ministry, a a difficult ministry it was. He was not well received. Paul didn't go there and dazzle them with wisdom of words. He didn't go there and and use rhetorical skills to catch their mind. That's what they were accustomed to for the Corinthians were uh, were Greeks, obviously, and they they, they boasted in wisdom. They boasted in, in, in the ability of an orator to speak in a way that would wow the crowd. Traditional Greek rhetoric used extensive quotations, literary allusions, and a refined style that made the, uh, the speaker, the orator, seem somewhat brilliant, witty, charming, and entertaining. We might think of him in our language, in our day, uh, of being a speaker with the suave abilities of a Pierce Brosnan and the quick wit of a Bob Hope welded together in one speaker. That was not Paul. Paul said, when I came to you, the ministry that God placed me there in Corinth, and he's reminding them of that. Folks, we're not removed from people wanting that today. The quick wit of some comedian and the the suave appearance of some movie star. Paul said, when I came to you, it wasn't with excellence of speech. And Paul wasn't ignorant by any means. Paul had been trained at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul was was a brilliant Hebrew scholar. He knew the Hebrew language. He knew the Greek language. He knew Aramaic. He knew Latin. So Paul wasn't ignorant, but what he's saying, I didn't come to you boasting of those abilities, excellence of speech or of wisdom. But instead, he said, I declared or proclaimed to you the testimony of God. I think that phrase, testimony of God, is synonymous with the gospel. It's with what he says in the latter verse of Christ crucified. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The word testimony is a a word that would be found in a legal court. It's it's a legal term. And, And Paul was conscious that God was the judge 
and he was speaking in the presence of a judge. He was presenting his witness. And he didn't have to do it with persuasive, suave words or a debonair appearance. He said, I came to you with the testimony of God. Declaring or proclaiming. Today, that's a bad word, isn't it? We hear folks saying, don't preach to me. Folks, it's, it's clear. The Bible, the New Testament makes it clear that the New Testament church is to have central to its ministry, to its function, to it accomplishing God's will, the preaching, the declaration, the proclaiming of God's Word, of the testimony of God. And the center of that issue is Christ Jesus and Him crucified. His message came from God, not from Himself. Paul makes that clear, declaring to you, not His testimony, but the testimony of God, the witness of the Lord. Then he says in verse 2, as he, 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 not only what he did not preach, but then look in verse 2, what he did preach, or how he preached in some respects. For I determined, now don't read the word determined and think of Paul's effort. It's a choice that Paul made. He's, he's not saying I was determined. That, that's not what's in play here. In effect, Paul is saying I made the choice not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul made a conscious choice. Now, I know we often think that the job vocationally of the preacher is to be the preacher. But I want you to translate that a little bit into personal life and realize that every one of us are called to proclaim the good news, the testimony of God, the gospel message. And we're given insight in how to do that. We don't go knowing anything It didn't mean that Paul was ignorant to other matters. We've already stated that. There's a place for many things. But Paul preached Christ and Him crucified. He links the two together. He didn't preach Christ as an example. He didn't preach Christ as a good teacher. He didn't preach Christ as, as simply a miracle worker. He preached Christ and Him crucified. That means He emphasized the cross ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He emphasized the cross ministry. A lot of folks don't want that today. A lot of folks want to, want to hear a lot of other things. They don't, want to, they don't want to talk about the cross ministry. That was the main work of Jesus on the earth. Jesus Christ, that's the person of Christ that Paul preached the person of Christ and Him crucified. That's the work of Christ. What is our message? What do we proclaim? What do we communicate? Every one of us that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We proclaim the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you involved in that? Now there are other things that that are often emphasize when you teach through the Scripture, uh, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Oftentimes we encounter other matters that aren't necessarily the gospel. But as many a great 
teacher has said through the years, if you read a passage or you, you, you study the Scripture and you don't feel led to the cross, you've misread the Scripture. And so, all of these things. But, but there's only one message that is central, at the center, and that is the cross message. Are we cross-centric? Do we, do we have a centrality of the gospel message? I'm not belittling other churches that choose to, to do that, uh, but, but I think this, this pulpit being where it is in this physical building, in the center, is a message in itself that the preaching is central. And in particular, the preaching of Christ and Him crucified. The centrality of Paul's preaching or proclaiming not just enough to say that Jesus was a great moral teacher. It was far more than that. It's not enough to say that He came down from heaven. It's far more than that. It's not enough just to say that He was born of a virgin. It's far more than that. It's that He came here to die in my place, in your place for your sin. And so the memorial message, Paul said it wasn't with persuasive words and, and wisdom of man. The message was Christ and Him crucified. There are lots of types of preaching today. I've studied preaching for nigh 40 years and, and, and I, I, I want to learn more and better. I know what it looks like. I'm not saying I do it good, but I know what good preaching looks like. There's, there's ego-centered preaching. Where preaching basically is all about the preacher. Folks flock to that sometimes. There's culture-centered preaching where the issues are dealing with the culture. And where there may be an opportunity that we need to address certain things about the culture. Paul was not ignorant to those things. We're, we should be wise to the devil's uh, uh, methods, schemes. But culture-centered preaching is not gospel preaching. Ego-centered preaching is not gospel preaching. Crisis-centered preaching is not gospel preaching. Folks love a good crisis, don't they? You let a 9-11 happen in America, and the days right after 9-11, churches were packed. Why? Because people love a good crisis. In the days that we, uh, this pandemic started last year and, and we moved to meeting by the drive-in church, we had people that were coming in the drive-in that won't come now. Now whether it's, I don't know if it's the, the, the virus or what, but, but people love a good crisis. Crisis-centered preaching is not gospel preaching in itself. No, there is a crisis Every one of us are confronted with a crisis that we are sinners. We are dead in trespasses and sins. We, are, we fall short of the glory of God. That's a crisis that, that outmeasures every other crisis. But we know the remedy for that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. He paid the ultimate penalty to deliver us from our sins. There's family-centered 
preaching. Well, some combine that with crisis because a lot of families are in crisis and, and, and they're, they're, they're preachers that preach to that. There's Bible-centered preaching. Now, listen closely. I'm not saying don't preach the Bible because that's where you find the good news. That's where you find Christ and Him crucified. But they, they, we can get so wrapped up in verse-by-verse study and not see Jesus. We can get into certain texts in the, in the Scripture and we miss the Lord Jesus. Paul used a word here in verse 2 when he says that he desired for them to know nothing among them except, or for him to know nothing among them except Christ and him crucified. The word crucified in the Greek language is in the present tense. And that means it's not just simply a past event, but it's something that happened in the past that has present day effects. And so what Paul was saying essentially was this, that that the ongoing effect of the cross in the believer's life, issues such as redemption, justification, sanctification, glorification, that's what Paul is saying he preached about. He's not saying that he never delved into other doctrines at all. The death of Jesus Christ covers everything. Only the message of God. One last thought before we move on to the verses 3 to 5. and that Sometimes you don't give people what they want. You that are parents and those of us that are still learning to be grandparents and such, when, when a child's sick, the child would love to have a cookie. But is that what they need? They'll ask for the cookie. You don't give them necessarily what they want. You give them what they need. And Paul is saying here that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what is needed. Cross-centered preaching. Don't back down. Give them what they need, not what they want. And so the memorial message, we would say it's only the message of God. But then let's add to that statement. Only the message of God brings with it the power of God. That's what verses 3, 4, and 5 tell us. That this, the memorial message, we see its content, Christ crucified, But then the memorial message, we see the delivery of that. Now, I'm not talking about whether you stand with good enunciation of words and good diction and all of that. That's not the delivery I'm talking about. It's, It's not so much the method as it is the power. The power for the delivery. Only the message of God, the content, will bring with it the power of God. Verse 3, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Corinth was a hard city, folks. It was a difficult place and Paul's reception there discouraged him. That happens. If you're involved in sharing the gospel, be it from a pulpit or being one-on-one, there, there's difficulty there, right? There's hardness there. Paul began to have inner doubts and and uncertainty. He faced those things. We often think of Paul as being this this most wonderful, uh, divine-like individual. He certainly wasn't. We see his reality here. I was with you in weakness 
in fear and in much trembling. The character of Paul's performance in Corinth showed the the need for divine power. I needed that. My speech, my, my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration, the outpouring of the Spirit and of power. Paul didn't rely upon rhetoric to do his preaching, but he relied upon the Spirit of God. I've said for years that if a man is a hair lip and one-eyed, and crippled, and 500 pounds overweight, if he's preaching the gospel, we should give him his ear, our ear. We should listen as he preaches and teaches truth. That's not an indictment to say be all the things that are ugly or all the things that are dysfunctional. But we need more than just good speech to proclaim Christ. We need divine power. And he relied upon the power of the Holy Spirit. My speech and my preaching were in demonstration of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God takes the message of God and He brings about true conviction. He brings about true conversion. This is far different from what ministers do today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10, Paul tells what others said about his writing and his, his ministry. He says, uh, others say that his letters are weighty and strong and his personal appearance or presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. <laughs> One source from outside of the New Testament, all right? This, don't know that it's true, but it's an interesting reading that a historian says about Paul that he was a man of middling size, his hair was scanty, his legs were a little crooked, his knees were far apart, he had large eyes, and his eyebrows met, <laughs> and his nose was somewhat long. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that writer, well-published scholar, says so. That that describes Paul. He wouldn't, he wouldn't fit in most pulpits today, would he? He wouldn't be welcomed at most homes if he came and knocked on your door. Well, Paul came in the power of the Spirit. Oh, that we would be in such. What is the power of the Spirit? Go to chapter 1 and verse 18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The power of the Spirit, the power of the cross of what Jesus did at Calvary. Oh, that we might see the importance of the content being right and the delivery being right. Only the message of God brings with it the power of God. Only the message of God. In the 1990s in London, a British company developed a product that was called Spray-On Mud. And it was intended to be given. It was literally, it was mud, but it had been purified. It was, they'd taken the rocks and the clumps out of it. And it was designed to spray on these eloquent four-wheel drive vehicles so they could look like they had been mudding, 
but they hadn't, and it'd be easy to clean up. You'd think a product such as that, and probably in America it wouldn't sell very well, but it sold very well in England. When it comes to preaching, when it comes to proclaiming, sometimes there's more on the outside, and we try to cover it up. We try to make it. We think somehow or another it's got to look a certain way before we are capable of spreading the message. We have a memorial message. A message, why, why memorial? Because I'm remembering the sacrifice of Christ that's far greater than any other sacrifice. Oh, we stand in debt to those others, but more so to Christ. And it's our message to proclaim Him crucified and resurrected. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, may we do as Paul said he did. Not to try to do anything with wise words or eloquent speech, but Lord, just to let you move by your Holy Spirit, the power of your Spirit. Only your message will bring your power. I pray that this church would always... Stand behind the glorious truth of the gospel. May we be cross-centered in all that we do. Lord, I pray if there be one here that's lost without Jesus, that they might hear the memorial message. They might hear that Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners. And that today they would trust Him and be saved. Lord, there, there are many of us that have family, friends that we're burdened about that don't know Christ. May we become the proclaimer and to go with only the message of God for that's what will bring your power, power to convert, power to change, power to convict. Lord, may you have your way is our prayer. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing invitation to Him this morning. Jesus, keep me near the cross. I invite you to be obedient unto that. Lord, keep me cross-centered in my life. If you're lost and you would trust Jesus as your Savior, look to Him for salvation. Look in faith. He did everything necessary. He's Christ crucified for your sin. He was buried and raised the third day. That's victory in Jesus. Would you trust Him as your Savior? Make it known here today. Maybe the Lord's leading you to this church. Come and unite with us as the Lord leads you. And let's be obedient unto Him. Let's stand together and sing.